at first with USF. And yes, it was the first day of spring football practice. Got another six weeks to go, so not going to give you a full recap here. We're back going to talk to Jeff Scott after Thursday's practice session, so we'll have more on Friday's show. And I would not just something I'm going to do here, but alert everybody to try and not fall into the so-and-so looked good trap. You know, I've been in this business for a while, and ever since the first coverage of Bucks training camp, I can remember, oh, this guy looks good. Like, okay, he looks good. He's the only player that looks good. The Bucks are the only team that has someone that looks good. They're going to win the Super Bowl. No, they've actually won a couple Super Bowls since then, but try not to use that phrase. I'll tell you what we saw, and it was more than an hour, so that was awesome. And when you walk up and the first word you hear almost is the word butt cheek. Yeah, that was uh, Coach Mo, Alan Mogridge, telling his offensive linemen where to put, well, not their hands, but their heads and their positioning of their bodies. It was awesome to see. And everything was split into groups. And I thought that we were just going to be able to watch, you know, position groups doing their own thing. But we actually did get to see some one-on-ones with the wide receivers and the defensive backs. And Jimmy Horn has added some bulk. The Bulls have definitely, you heard Coach Scott mention this, bulked up overall. Guys that were maybe on the thin side, needed that extra weight, got it. Sincere Brown, another receiver the same way. And there was some genuine competition. And even though the receivers were making some plays, so were the defensive backs. Remember Tamarcus Simpson? I think he is going to get additional play at the cornerback position. Aju Aju, who is the transfer from Clemson, I think is going to be a player that makes a lot of plays. Xavier Weaver, awesome to see him. Didn't see too much from the running backs. Didn't see too much in the extravagant play variety as they finally got to an 11-on-11 sort of situation. It was really a lot of dump-off passes. But we're going to see plenty from the Bulls team, and we are going to get to bring you the exclusive coverage of the spring game. Remember, that is not going to be video streamed. I guess they don't want everybody to see exactly what the Bulls have, but we will have a call, so we'll tell you what they have on April the 9th. It'll be Jim Lauk, Sam Barrington, Joey Johnson. We're going to figure out exactly how to present it to you, what I think we're going to end up doing, and Jim Lighthall is our outstanding pregame host. Not going to have a two-hour pregame show, so we'll maybe put Jay Retcher, who would normally be in the booth up with us, down on the field after all. It'll be green versus gold. I think it was green versus white last year. And whereas normally we don't send Joey Johnston to the opposing sideline, the opposing sideline is the Bulls sideline this year. So I think we're going to have Joey on one sideline, Jay Retcher on the other. And I think we're going to have a pretty full halftime show as far as actual play-by-play. If it's going to be famous Bulls alumni players in a flag football situation and it's going to be competitive, we're not going to sit there and give you numbers and scoreboard. We're going to actually have a first half of play-by-play, a halftime of play-by-play on that alumni game, and a second half of play-by-play. But as far as yesterday goes, perfect weather for it. And the other cool thing, and if you want to go to my Twitter page, at Derek Sharp, that's D-A-R-E-K-S-H-A-R-P, you can see some of the videos I put out. Yes, Timmy, McLean, and Jimmy are still hooking up. But in the background, just to sort of see the progress of the indoor performance facility, they did not halt construction during practice. That is going to be an ongoing thing through the spring. And then by the start of the fall season, that thing should be ready to roll out. Unbelievable. So while that was going on, you're reminded that the soccer teams are actually having sort of a spring season, even though there was just the one game for the men that was open to the public against the Rowdies. The Bulls, baseball and softball and basketball and tennis and golf, it's all going on right now. And again, we'll preview tonight's action, this afternoon's action, in our next segment. But let's get on to what actually happened on the field last night in baseball. 
And first, an apology to FIU. I kept saying they were 6-2 and two on the season. I had just completely neglected their midweek game against Bethune-Cookman. They actually started off the season with four wins against St. Thomas, a new Division I program playing in the Summit League. Then they played Bethune-Cookman to go to 5-0. and At one point, they were 6-0. and And I just discounted that game against Bethune-Cookman, not intentionally, just was looking at their two weekends where they played four games in each. Last weekend at home, played Seton Hall twice, won them both, and played Michigan twice, lost them both, gave up double-digit runs each time to Michigan. But in that second game on Sunday, after being behind 7-0, they got it to 10-9 and lost 13-9. So they've scored runs with the exception of one game where they beat Seton Hall 1-0 with their Friday night starter. So this was going to be a team you'd figure midweek game, relatively high scoring. But they were going to have to face a pretty tough midweek starter by the name of Orion Kirkring. Yes, he's the Bulls' closer, but this is something Billy Mole plans on throughout the course of the season. If Kirkring does not need to get used throughout the course of the weekend or only gets lightly used in this past weekend, he only threw one quick inning in the first game on a Friday, he will get used as the midweek starter Perhaps in a situation where the Bulls are playing a conference series, if Kirkring doesn't have to get used Friday or Saturday, he could be your Sunday starter. But in this case, it worked out perfectly. Now, FIU, 17 for 17 in stolen bases, could have definitely scored in the first inning. In fact, with their game plan of getting their leadoff man on base and then always successfully stealing, it was headed in that direction. Then it headed in a defensive-tinged direction for the Bulls. A couple of pretty sweet plays here to end the first well below 500. There goes Ondina, and that's going to take a tough throw from Rivera. Actually, they get him! 17 for 17, make it 17 for 18. Ondina gets a great jump, and man, oh man. Obviously, they have not faced an arm like Nelson Rivera. That's a better pitch, but it might get through Jacobs. He started a tough play. That is a great throw, and they get him! My goodness, that's spectacular! Just to keep it in the infield was something but he had to climb the ladder. And I'm telling you, this guy is worth the price of admission. I don't pay to get into the games. I would definitely pay to watch him play shortstop. That should be on SportsCenter, 100%. That was something else. It was a well-hit ball into the hole, and Jacobs Guichard had to go to his right to get it and then had to get a lot on the throw. So in order to do that, he did not have time to set his feet. So setting the tone early, the Bulls were definitely ready for their first midweek game, and they were ready for the other pitcher, Drake Bacho, a transfer from Cincinnati who had issues with bases on balls, way too many of them, 77 in 61 career innings for the Bearcats, and two starts in his one season where he was just a starter. This was 2020. Two games where he walked six. Now he can throw at mid-90s, and that's why he's getting a chance as a starter for FIU, especially midweek. But Ben Rosenblum walks on a full count pitch, gets to second on a wild pitch. Drew Brutcher strikes out, so it was the yin and the yang of Drake Bacho. But when he saw something good to hit, Carmine Lane went after it. They can be patient. Might even have to include some different approaches at the plate. Get some runs here early on. Carmine Lane is going to produce a run there as he whacks that ball deep to left field and off the wall. Holding up was Rosenblum, but he will still score easily. Lane said, you're going to give me one. I'm going to put it almost over the wall, but it's an RBI double. And the Bulls break ahead. Good time to mention that Lane was a member of the American Athletic Conference weekly honor roll. Again, we did not have a show yesterday. These announcements came down on Monday, and we'll fully flesh them out 
at 10 till with our conference show. But he hit 583 last weekend. Entered this night hitting 500, went two for four, and obviously still hitting 500. Very workmanlike for Orion Kirkering. The workmanlike innings continued for the Bulls after Kirkering struck out the side in the top of the second. They would get, yep, three walks. Out came Bacho, Brutcher, Sack Fly. The Bulls did leave a couple runners on, but the way Kirkering was going, just tack on a run here and there. They grabbed two more in the bottom of the third. Jacobs Guichard singled after a Cantu four-pitch walk. Bad throw down the third baseline by the catcher, scored a run, and then another sack fly, a well-hit ball by Nelson Rivera. So it was 4 to nothing, working in each of their first four at-bats because in the bottom of the fourth, Jared Eaton singles, steals a base, gets to third on a bad pickoff throw, and then Drew Brutcher lines a ball into center, 5 nothing. Kirkring's, what I thought last inning, was probably his best. Check this out. They have plenty of midweek games. Not every week, but plenty. Ooh. Slider called, strike three. Dandy. K number six. He's done more than the job. One out here in the top of the fifth inning. FIU looking for its first run, trailing the Bulls five to zip. Not going to happen there. Slider swung on a miss. Two hits for FIU. Just four for the Bulls, but again, the walks were going to be there to be had today. And man, has that ever been the difference. Figueroa walked in that first inning. That was it, as far as Kirkring goes. Six walks for the Bulls. Another dandy slider taken for a strike by Hernandez. Not Orlando Hernandez, this is Reynaldo getting his third start of the season. And struggling, that one was taken low. So let's see, of those six walks, three of them scored for the Wolves. That's productive. Took something off that one, curveball. And I'm telling you right now, you almost feel for this batter. Reynaldo Hernandez, because he just has an out of sorts look to him. If he can make contact, I think he would be happy. Nope, not gonna happen there. Swung and a miss, strike three. Orion Kirkring for the second time, same area of the lineup, strikes out the side, and if that's the end of his day, even if it's not, he's having a good day. He would actually come on to pitch to one more batter in the sixth after a four-pitch walk. Joe Sanchez comes on, gets the job done. Devin Hemingway would pitch the final inning and a third, and even though FIU did threaten a couple of times, they put two runners on in the seventh. Sanchez gets a double play ball. The Bulls pitch the shutout. Lane adds an RBI double in the bottom of the seventh, and the final run was the first for a freshman. Let's see if he continues to do it. He starts to rock back and then just sort of pauses. Nope, quick pitch. So he's taking some pages out of Joe Sanchez's book there. That one's well outside. This guy's doing a little uh, cockiness, and he gets it, and he destroys it. And he has his first college home run. Wow. You could see that coming. Not even a fastball. It was just straight across. Home played, and he just destroyed it. Definitely a fun night had by all on the Bulls' side. FIU, not so fun. They make the long bus drive. That's why they tried to add a stolen base there in the ninth inning with two outs. And a run on first and losing 7 nothing. It was actually ruled catcher's indifference. If you want to hear the whole game, we condense it down to a two-hour replay. There was also on the fourth run not enough visual evidence to support their contention that Jacobs Guichard left third early on the Nelson Rivera sack fly we mentioned. 
By the way, the throw landed about 10 feet away from the catcher, and there's no chance that they could have gotten him if Gishard had left you know, a fraction of a sec. Yeah, it was that kind of day for FIU. The Bulls, Kirkring, five and a third innings, nine strikeouts, 70 pitches. He'll probably be ready to go for an inning Friday night if they need him. I doubt he's pitching tonight. The Bulls are at UNF, and this is uh, the misleading of all misleading records. One and eight, but several one-run losses, several extra inning losses, two low-scoring losses to Florida and UCF. In their mid-weekers last week, they lost 3-2 to UCF, and 3-1 to the Gators. But since then, they've given up 11 runs in three of the next four games, getting swept by UConn. Actually, Florida got them 11-2 last night, so UNF's pitching is probably going to be a little thin as it stands. They hit 235 as a team, so scoring runs has definitely been their issue. In fact, they have no home runs on the season. But the Bulls will be going with that, guessing an all-staff approach tonight. So could be an interesting game. It'll be around 6 o'clock. No coverage live for you on USF Bulls Unlimited. We'll be following along. Bulls now have seven home runs this season after the Bozer bomb last night and are hitting 293, putting it pretty well together as a team. They've won four in a row. They're five and two. North Florida comes in at one and eight. Georgina Corrick, again, we didn't do a show yesterday, so we must tell you this. Although, do we have to tell you anymore? Because it's pretty obvious that she's going to win the American Athletic Conference Pitcher of the Week every single week. I might be exaggerating a little bit, but it is three for three after what she did, which, speaking of three for three, did exactly that in three starts. Didn't have to go the distance in all three because one of the games was pretty lopsided, but she went 3-0, and 21 innings. Opponents hit 091 against her. That's six hits. And in those 21 innings, 29 strikeouts. She did have the one walk, so maybe she can shape it up. Obviously, she'll get one star tonight in the doubleheader against FGCU. You'd have to expect Aaron Pepping, who has two wins so far, will get the other star. The other weekly honors for the Bulls, Elisa Pinzon was on the honor roll for her work. Remember, she had those five three-pointers all in the second half, led the Bulls to that win at home last Tuesday against Wichita, and then scored 18 points to bring home the win against East Carolina. On the men's side, Russell Chiwa, whose 18 was a career high, and oh yeah, kind of hit an important shot, the game-winning shot against Cincinnati. The Bulls are back at home on Thursday night. We'll get you ready for that one on tomorrow's show as well. Men's golf, we told you, was going to Cape Coral and was actually the second-highest-ranked team, so a sixth-place finish, not what they had hoped for. Had their best round yesterday. It was a one-over at the Coral Creek Club. The host team, FGCU, well under par, 14 under par. In fact, 12 shots better than North Florida, which was the only team that really shot well on Tuesday, a five under par. No one else besides FGCU one under was under par. South Alabama finished third. Top 50 squad Liberty finished fourth at even par. Then it was an 11-shot drop-off to fifth place uh, UCF, which finished one shot ahead of the Bulls. In fact, the Bulls finished one shot ahead of Cincinnati. So seeing that the teams from the conference are going to be good competition. The Bulls do finish sixth out of 16 teams, so as far as their record goes, it'll probably be about a wash as far as the computer rankings. The Bulls, in other words, aren't going to drop below 27th, or at least probably not out of the top 30, but I'm certain that Steve Bradley's squad would have hoped for better. Alvin Bergstrom did finish tied for 10th, one under par, one over par, followed by two one under par scores. Shuby Jagalon was the second best scorer for the Bulls, finished up with a 69 in his third round. Luke Gifford was two shots behind him, and Sam Nicholson, who's back in the starting lineup, and that was good to see him, ended up tied for 42nd with a 
219-6 over par score. The Bulls are in action early next week at an event in Bluffton, South Carolina. And if you want to see one of the more exciting teams to watch, hey, if you haven't seen some good competitive tennis, get to the tennis courts this afternoon. Maybe make it a doubleheader of men's tennis and women's basketball as it begins at 1.30. Doubles starts things off and then usually singles hits around 2.30. I know I'll be swinging by for the men against a South Alabama team that is off to a 9-4 and start. Always very competitive. You look at some of their losses. They gave Auburn a push at Auburn. Lost a very good FSU team. Ashley Fisher's squad just getting back from a 2-1 weekend in Tempe, Arizona.